Welcome to the Southwest Apostolic Church podcast. Southwest Apostolic Church is located at 3161 South Rowena Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46241. Phone number 317-227-0182. Give us a call if we can help you. Our services are Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Sunday evening, 7 o'clock. Tuesday evening, we have prayer meeting at 7.30. And Wednesday evening, we have Bible class at 7.30. Our webpage, www.southwest-apostolic.com. You can find us on the web there. And you're welcome to any of the services. Uh, Our podcast will contain preaching from the pastor and other preachers. So without further ado, we'll get right into it. God bless. Mark 10 and 21 and 22. That's where we'll start today. Thanks for being here. We've got a nice looking group. Uh, Mark 10, 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way and sell whatsoever thou hast. Give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come. Take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Amen. Praise God. The truth about God today is God's kingdom is about giving and serving, not buying and having. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Help us with your word today. We ask you to open it up to our hearts. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. This young man uh, if you I'm going to go by memory so I might not get it just right but if you put Matthew and Mark together you get a little bit of information from each one. Okay. Like in you read in Matthew uh, 1916, and behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Well, if you read in Mark, Mark says he runs to him. Okay? So here's Jesus walking down the road, I suppose, wherever they were. And here comes this young man. He comes running up to Jesus. Okay? He's eager to talk to Jesus. He doesn't have any qualms about talking to the Lord. He doesn't have any... Uh, first thing that struck me, he doesn't have any humility when dealing with God. When dealing with Jesus, he just runs right up to Jesus. Hey, good master. Good master. And Jesus, I don't know if he was a little bit aggravated or what, but he said, why call you thou me good? <laughs> you know, why are you calling me good? What are you trying to pull off here? <laughs> and he said, you know there's none good but one, that's God. All right? And... Uh, so he said, what may I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. All right. And then if you read in Matthew, he says, which commandment? Okay. Well, which one are you talking about? And, it's, and I was reading this. Listen, well, I'll go on. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'll, I'll kind of uh, put it together the way I'm feeling here. He says, uh, Jesus said, obey the commandments. Which commandments are you talking about? Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. You're not supposed to murder. You're not supposed to commit adultery. You're not supposed to steal. 
You're not supposed to bear false witness. Honor thy father. You know, he names the commandments. And uh, in, in Matthew, he says, uh, young man said, all the, I've done all these things, Lord. I've done everything you said. I've kept all these from my youth up. All right. He said, I've done all that. And he said, now see, it, it, uh, in uh, Mark, it just goes right into him. And Jesus, he asked Jesus uh, what I need to do. And Jesus says, keep the commandments. And Jesus, in Mark, it just looks like Jesus looks at him and says one thing thou lackest. But that's not how it happens. Because in Matthew, the man, young man asks him, says, what, yet, what do I lack? What yet do I lack? In other I, get a, I don't know, I could be picking it up wrong, but it looks like this young man was kind of wanting the Lord to know how good he was. Good master. He, walk, he comes running up to Jesus. He doesn't have any humility in dealing with Jesus. He just thinks he, he's good. He's, you know, well, let's, let's face it. The Bible says he was rich. He was young and he was a ruler. You know, a lot of times rich young people don't have a lot of humility, do they? A lot of times poor people don't have a lot of humility, but <laughs> sometimes <laughs> some you can meet the lowest people in, in the estate of life. In other words, they'd be in the lowest point of life, and they can be so proud. Pride's a bad thing, amen? Pride's a bad thing. The best thing to do is, the Bible says, the, the, the pride will be brought down, and the best way to be brought up is to humble yourself in the sight of God, amen? So this young man, we see that he did not come to Jesus in humility. He did not come to Jesus in humility. He ran to Jesus, the Bible says. Good master, he comes, good master. It's kind of like he's kind of boastful a little bit. And uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And I think he already thought he knew the answer. Okay. But let me say, <laughs> when you deal with Jesus, it's not on our terms. And when you deal with Jesus, humility is always best. Because he knows just a little bit more than we do. And we might try to put on a front. And we might think we're doing all right. But I want to tell you something. He knows right down where we're living. Hallelujah. He knows me. He knows you inside and out. Better than we know ourselves. That's exactly right. The Bible says sometimes we don't even know our own heart. Isn't that right? So here this young man. He comes to Jesus. Good master. What can I do to inherit eternal life? And I think he was feeling pretty good about he knew the answer and he knew what the Lord was going to say because he came right back and said, all these things I've done from my youth up. And then he said, what lack I? In other words, I'm doing pretty good, ain't I? You know, he that stands take heed lest he fall, the Bible says. And sometimes people think they're a little bit more than they really are. Are you knowing me? Now let me say it again. Notice the young man did not come to Jesus in humility. I think when you approach Jesus, I think if we've lived for God for 100 years, we still, when we come in prayer, we need to bow down and say, God, I worship you. Hallelujah. I come to you, Lord. I bow to you. I acknowledge your greatness, not my greatness. I acknowledge how good you are, Lord, not how good I am. Hallelujah. Because our righteousness is like filthy rags in his eyes. You ever thought of that? You know what filthy, it's like, I, <laughs> I put my own little imagination on that filthy rags. It's like taking, you got a dirty kitchen table. And you take an old rag that's been laying in the sink. 
and it's got corn kernels in it, and it's got spaghetti in it, and you take that old rag, and you really think you're doing something taking that old dirty rag and cleaning that table off. You're not doing that. You're just moving the dirt around. You know what I mean? And you might be adding a little bit of layer. <laughs> you might be adding a little bit of dirt on there. You're not really. It might look smooth, but it's, you left some grime on there. And that's the way it is when we try to make ourselves something in the sight of God. And we try to, you know, the Bible says Adam and Eve made themselves aprons. And, but that wasn't quite good enough, was it? The Lord had to do something to really cover them up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so our righteousness is like filthy rags. And it looks like, now I could be wrong, I could be reading it wrong. But when I read this, I see a young, rich, young ruler. Now, rich means rich, okay? Not like us. We get $100. We think we're rolling. <laughs> we get 500 bucks and we're ahead, baby. But anyway, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rich. The Bible says he was rich. Now, rich means rich, okay? I'm not rich. I don't know if you are or not, but I'm not. But I've known people who were. I worked for a man for 35 years. He was rich. He's still rich. My son Daniel, we laugh about it to this day. Daniel went to, my son Daniel was working there and they sent him to a school up in Wisconsin. And Daniel was getting ready to leave and, and he was talking to him. He said, well, what do I, you know, how do I pay for stuff? And he, he got his billfold out and he took out one of them, and we laugh about it because he took out one of them gold American Express cards. One of them, who knows how, what the credit limit was. Daniel was buying dinner and everything else for everybody up there. We was laughing about it. And they're telling what all he bought for everybody up there. And we was laughing about it. Because we, cause we, we laugh about it. That card's good right there, buddy. There ain't no doubt about that. Okay. Because how many know some people are rich? Some people got some stash. What we used to call a stash. Some people's got money. They got it in the bank. I mean, not a lot. <laughs> I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about this church and woke up going on five, thinking about stuff and worried about stuff and, and uh, you know, what we're trying to do. But, you know, it dawned on me this morning. In the whole scheme of things, what we're trying to do is just a little bitty thing. In the whole scheme of the world, you know, our operation, we got a nice church here, we got good people, the finances are good. But when the total is, that's still not very much in the whole scheme of things. Not when you got people that deal with, they deal in 10 millions and 20 millions and 30 millions. You know, and they throw 10 around, 10 million around, 20 million around like it ain't nothing. Uh, this ball player I was reading about, uh, the guy that just retired, uh, uh, Brady's his name, They're, he's going to go to work for the TV station, Fox Broadcasting, and he's got a 10-year contract, 320-something million dollars. That's rich. He's already rich, probably. So some people, so when you deal, you know, <laughs> so this guy's rich, and he's young, too. He's not old. He's not an old rich guy. He's young, and he's rich. And he had power. He was a ruler. He's in charge of things. He's in charge. I don't know what he was in charge of. He might have been in charge of a business. He might have had a, he might have had a business that does $15 million of business a year. I don't know. He might have had a, he might have had a, some he might have had a let's put it in, 
put it in our lingo. He might have owned a cell phone company or something. You know what I mean? We're just buku going all kind of money. You know? You know, some people do have buku money. Some people do have money. And let me tell you, uh, there ain't nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Okay? Except. So he comes to Jesus. Good master. What do I got to do? And he, I think he knew the answer. And the Bible says that. Uh, he's, what else do I lack? And I think he don't think he lacked anything. I really, I could be wrong, but I'm kind of picking up. He's not asking because he really thinks he needs to know. It seems like he's asking because he's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler, and he's kind of making a point that he's doing all right. You know, sometimes we're not doing as well as we think we are. Sometimes, you know, we got a lot of pride and we got a lot of things and we think we're doing all right. And in the sight of God, the Bible talks about the Laodicean church in the last days, the last church. And he said, they said they're, we're rich and increased with goods and we have need of nothing. But Jesus said, I don't know what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is you're wretched, naked, and poor. In other words, they had they might have been rich in worldly goods and rich in worldly things, but their priorities were not right. And that's what we're talking about today. The right priorities, you see. The right priorities when it comes to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, you've got to have the right priorities. Isn't that right? You've got to have the right attitude, okay? This young man said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He didn't come to Jesus to say, Jesus, how can I help advance your cause? He was rich. Lord, do you need anything? Lord, what's the mortgage look like on that church? Is there any way I can help with it? You know, there's people can do that. <laughs> I was with Brother Thomas at... We, this church he built, they helped, they built it out in uh, uh, Avon, Danville. And uh, when they built it, they built, they had a balcony. Okay, in the balcony, they didn't have the funds or whatever to do the balcony. I mean, this place is beautiful. Okay, really nice. And uh, and I, and I was talking to the pastor, and and he said they were getting, and they were talking about they're getting ready to warm the. They need to open this balcony up already. They already handled 750 people, and they were getting ready to open this balcony up and finish construction. They already had the lumber up there and everything, but they just didn't build it because they didn't need it. Well, they planned ahead and had the lumber up there and everything. And he said he got a call, and he was telling the guy they were wanting to, and the guy said, well, here, I, and he said, I'll give you so much. He said, I won't be a part of that. And he told me, he said, that balcony's paid for before we even start. In other words, somebody said, here, let me give you, here, let me let me be a part of that. Here, this will take care of your balcony. How many likes? <laughs> and, and let me say, it's not about money, believe me. I'm not talking about, I'm not just saying, that we're not doing money grub here. We're not talking that. Isn't that right? We're not doing a money grub. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about priorities, and we're talking about approaching Jesus, and we're talking about His purpose. Notice, notice, notice. The young man did not come to Jesus and ask how he could further his purpose. Jesus, 
I see your ministry and I see what you're trying to do. And, and I see you guys out here struggling and trying to get something to eat. And they're getting mad at your disciples because you got to walk through the corners of the cornfield and get you guys something to eat. And you're out here trying to minister and trying to work and you don't have a dime. And you're trying to, you know, you guys aren't really got a lot of money. And you're, they left their business and started following you. How can I help you, Jesus? How can I advance your cause, Jesus? Isn't it funny how people don't ask that question? And if, you know, the church had, the church will ask for an offering. Next thing you know, somebody's bad. Now, there they are. Take, well, you got to have money to turn the lights on. Right? you got to pay your tithes to keep the church going. That's why we ask people to pay tithes, not because we're padding our pocket. It's because we need to keep the lights on, pay the insurance. Amen. you got to think things have to keep going. And if you want, and the idea is saying, what can I do to advance God's purpose, not just what's in it for me? See what he did? What do I do to inherit eternal life? I'm here to talk about me. I'm here to deal with me. It's all about me. Me, myself, and I. But remember who he was talking to. Remember who sets the priorities. Remember who is in charge. This guy was rich, young, and he was a ruler, but he wasn't in charge. The priorities of God were not his. He might have been in charge of some things, but he wasn't in charge of God's kingdom. And he wasn't in charge of what God really needed done. And he wasn't in charge of what Jesus was doing. And he wasn't in charge of what God was trying to do in the world. But he approached Jesus just, you know, like matter of fact. And a lot of people do that with Jesus. They come to church matter of fact. They talk about God matter of fact. Just nothing to it. You know, no big deal. And they go on and live their life and do their thing. And they're not really concerned about the purpose of God. They're not really worried about what God needs. They're not really worried about what the church needs, like Brother Matthews used to say. He'd say, somebody come to church and say, Brother Matthews, I got a, um, I got a vacuum I want to give to the church. And they, they got them a new one, and they bring that old junky vacuum in and give it to the church. Brother Matthews, well, keep your old junky vacuum. He said, why didn't you go buy a new one and bring it to the church? Come on, somebody. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> you know? They, the Bible talks about that in the book of Malachi. They talked about, will a man rob God? And they said, how have you robbed God? We haven't robbed God. And he said, you robbed God in your tithes and your offerings. You're not paying your tithes. You're robbing God. And he said, and you bring your... And your you're disrespecting God. And he said, well, how are we disrespecting God? And he said, you bring them old sheep, you're supposed to be bringing the firstling of the flock. You're supposed to be bringing the best sheep. You're supposed to be bringing sheep without a flaw. You're supposed to be bringing sheep that don't have any blemishes. And here you are bringing them old crippled blind sheep and trying to offer them up to God. God's not interested in your crooked blind sheep. Amen. God wants a sheep that's pure and clean. Hallelujah. He wants the best of what you got. He wants your best. He doesn't want half of what you got. He doesn't want half. You know. Why is it we think we can live for God and just kind of plod along and not try to give Him our best? 
When everybody in the world that's involved in anything, whether they're a championship quarterback, whether they're the best world-ranked pool player in the world, whether they're the best bowler in the world, whether they're the best high school team in the country, every one of them, if they reach that level, they're operating trying to be the best. They sacrifice for what they're doing. They give up their plans for what they're doing. They make time to practice. I remember years ago, Ben Davis, I don't know how they are now, I don't pay attention, but they were very good in football, you know, and they were like number one over and over and over and over. You know why? Because before school started in the summer, the football team was out there running laps. And they had those football players coming to practice. And they was coming to practice every day. And they was committing. You know what Jesus is telling this rich young man? We ain't got there yet. But what he's going up, he could care less about his money. Because he said, matter of fact, he told him, he said, sell what you have. He didn't say give it to me. He said, sell. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. First thing, he asked the Lord, what else do I lack? Kind of cocky, you know, I'm doing all right. The Bible says, the Bible says, Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Rich, young ruler. Comes running up to Jesus. Hey, hey, good master. What do I got to do to inherit eternal life? I think I got it covered, you know. Jesus, you know, keep the commandments. He said, which ones? Because he wanted Jesus to tell him which ones so he could tell him he already kept those. He said, I kept all those. What else? What else you got, Jesus? I think I'm doing pretty good. What else you got, Lord? Hit me again. What else do I lack? Jesus said, oh, you really want to know, huh? It doesn't say he said that, but I'm, you know what I mean. He looks at him. So I don't know if Jesus was walking this way and this guy's walking beside him. But evidently the Bible says he looks at him. And he looks at him and he beholds him and he loves him. You know why he loves us? Because we need love. We need a savior. And he looked on that man and he loved him because he knew the need. He, he thinks this guy, he's really got a problem. He's really not where he thinks he should be. I mean, he's really not where he is. He's really not where he thinks he is. But I know where he should be. He's really not as cocky and as rich, young, and he's not really got it all going together like he thinks he should or thinks he does. What else do I lack, Lord? Pretty doing pretty good, ain't I? I'm doing all right. Jesus looks at him, feels the love in him because he knows. I'm going to tell you something. If anybody knows how to lower the boom, Jesus does. And he's not doing it to lower the boom. That's the whole idea. Sometimes we go to church and we hear something and it comes right down where we're living and and it's not because somebody's trying to be mean. The Bible says the truth will make you free. Amen. And we need the truth. We need somebody speaking into our life the truth. We need somebody speaking into my life and, you know, telling me what I need to hear. Don't you? Yes. Amen. And when you're involved in the purpose of Jesus Christ, that's what we do. We try to operate in truth. 
And we try to be, speak, the Bible talks about speaking the love, speaking the truth in love. And it's not about hurting anybody. It's not about hurting anybody, but it's talking about being real. So Jesus looked at this young man, rich. He was young, and he was a ruler. Power, money, youth. He had it all going for him, and I think he knew it. How many knows your youth will fail you one of these days? You're not always going to be 35 or 40. You're not always going to be 21. How many knows when you was 18 and thought you knew everything, you can look back and say, I didn't know nothing. But when you're 18, 19, I can remember I had my car, and I'd be out running around. Just I thought I knew everything. I didn't know nothing. Your youth will fail you, your riches will fail you, and your power will fail you. you can, that company can be bankrupt. You can be riding high today and be bankrupt tomorrow. Look at all those people that put all that money in that Bitcoin. Billions of dollars involved. That guy was taking money from the Bitcoin company and and uh, taking the money and investing it in another company that he owned, risky investments, lost the money, and then when people started to pull out, wanted to cash in on their Bitcoin, they didn't have the money, and they'd lost it all on these investments, plus what you know, all the palaces he'd built down in the Bahamas. Your riches will fail you. Your youth will fail you. Jesus will never fail you. He'll never fail you. He'll go with you to the end of the world. So the Bible says, what do I lack? What thing do I lack? So when you read Mark, it looks like the Lord just says, turns around, jumps on him. One thing I lack. That's not the way it happened. The way it happened is when you put Matthew and Mark together and read both stories, he's kind of saying, he says, what else do I lack? Jesus looks at him, loves him, says, one thing you lack. Go and sell what you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. Give to the poor and listen, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. What Jesus asked for for everybody is the same thing. Whether you've got money, not don't have money, whether you don't have money, got money, whether you have power, whether you have youth, whether you're young, whether you're old, take up your cross. In other words, get under the purpose of God. Get under the discipleship of Christ. Get and get involved in his purpose. Be involved in what he wants to accomplish. Be involved. That's what Jesus was talking about. Amen. That's what he was talking about. Take up your cross. The cross is the purpose of God. Jesus was fulfilling the purpose of God. Jesus was fulfilling the eternal plan of the ages when he came and died on the cross. That was taking care of things and, you know, the righteousness of God being fulfilled, etc., etc., etc. And that was Jesus' lot was to come. He didn't come to be known as God. He didn't come to be known as a king. He came to carry that cross. He came to carry his cross. He came to die on the cross. 
That was his portion in fulfilling the plan of God. We all have a portion in fulfilling the plan of God. Whether it's giving a nickel, whether it's paying our tithes, whether it's giving a million dollars to help pay off a building, we all have a purpose in the eyes of God. We all have a responsibility to grab a hold of our part of the cross and carry it. Amen. Whatever it is. That doesn't just mean carry your cross and people make fun of you because you're a Christian. It might mean some of that. But it really means being involved in the purpose of God. Giving of yourself. Giving of your time. Giving of your money. Giving of your commitment. That's what he's talking. That's what Jesus was getting at. Jesus could, he, you know, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He wasn't too worried about having the guy's money in his treasury. He was worried about the man being able to commit to carrying his cross or not. And he knew in his, all of his flamboyance and he knew in all of his talk about being a Christian and he knew in all of his talk about what he had and all of his talk about who he was that down on the inside he was not willing to make that commitment. God needs people that will make a commitment. God's people make a commitment. Child, saints of God make commitments. They make a commitment to God that says, God, I'm going to try to live right. I'm going to try to live holy. I'm going to try to live godly. I'm going to do my best, Lord, to represent what a Christian man should be or a Christian woman should be, Lord. I'm going to make that commitment. I'm not going to be a fly-by-nighter. I'm not going to do it this week and not do it next week. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to commit to you from now on for the rest of my life. I'm going to get up under your purpose. I'm going to get up under your cause. And I'm going to live for you. That's what it's all about, folks. That's what it's all about. It, there's nothing. It's, it, that's just as simple as that. And do you know that is the heart of the matter? That was the heart of the matter for this young man. But you know it's the heart of matter for everybody you deal with. Whether people really make a commitment or not. They'll come to church. They'll sing. They'll clap their hands. They might give a little offering or not. They come. But... Will they really commit to righteousness? Will they really commit to holiness? Will they really commit to the purpose of God? Will they really commit to the plan of God? Will a man really commit to being a man of God and a woman commit to being the woman of God? Whatever that means. Whatever's involved. Are you with me? You can't, you can't do anything without commitment. You can't do anything. You see, Jesus knew if this guy was going to get treasures in heaven, he's going to have to make a commitment. And sometimes you've got to make a commitment. You've got to say, I'm either in or out. The old timers used to say, probably not a good thing to say maybe, but they used to say it, get in, get out, or get run over. But we don't, <laughs> that's pretty rough. That's what the old timers used to, but that's not the point. The point is, you can't play both games. You can't carry, you can't carry the cross and dilly dally around at the same time you can't do it you got to make up your mind you're either a child of God or you're not 
You either got the Holy Ghost, He filled you with the Holy Ghost, He put a call on your life, He put you in the church of God for the purpose of God, and you, our job, every one of us's job, is to seek to fulfill that purpose in our life if we're living for God. That is the heart of the matter, not only for this young man, but for everybody. This church could be full today if you let anything fly. This church could be full if we didn't try to hold standards. Come on, somebody. We could have all kind of people in here if we didn't ask people to make a commitment. I remember talking to Brother Matthews right out here, standing in this hallway one day. And he said, Brother Young, he said, he said I'm trying to... He, he was talking, he was thinking about it. Maybe it was bothering him because he said, Brother Young, he said, all I'm trying to do is build a clean church for the Lord. He said, that's all I want. He said, Brother Young, he said, he said we could have all kind of people. I'm kind of paraphrasing. I can't remember his exact words, but I remember this conversation. And he said, Brother Young, he said, people don't want to make a commitment. They don't want to commit to what he's trying to bring to them. They didn't want to make the commitment that man made in his life. How many knows Floyd Matthews was committed, right? Amen. He was committed. He was in all the way, man. You know, I was telling Sister Young, I said, coming this morning, I said, you know, I'm getting older. And I said, but you know, I said, when I think about it, Brother Matthews was my age and they was just starting a church. <laughs> What was it, 63, I think, wasn't he? Something like that. Or... He was 64, and he was just starting. So here I am worried about getting being old. And I should be, I guess, just getting started. <laughs> but you see, they made a commitment. And brother and sister Matthew's sister, Matthew's made a commitment too. Come on, somebody. They made a commitment. They helped, you know, they, they made a commitment. They, I can't tell everything I know, and maybe I shouldn't tell some things I know. But I do know some things. They did everything they could to get this church off the ground, whether it cost them their finances, whether they was getting credit cards and doing whatever they had to do to get the bills paid, whatever they had to do, they made a commitment. And this church stands here today for a testimony to a couple that decided to make a commitment. For Matter of fact, they was committed to God before they ever started this church. Come on, somebody. Amen. But they made that commitment. We're going to do it. Hallelujah. But they made a commitment to live for God way before that. Sister Matthew's story, she was committed. Brother Matthew's was committed. And Brother Matthew's would, he would be rejoicing in heaven if the commitment that he had and the commitment that Sister Matthew's had, hopefully the commitment I have, hopefully the commitment Sister Young has, that it would spill over into the congregation and they would be a full of committed people. Hallelujah. They're willing to give, pay their tithes, whatever. What can I do? Jesus to provoke your kingdom, not what's in it for me. He said, Thou shalt have treasure in heaven. You know, treasure in heaven's worth a lot more than what we got down here. And I'll never forget, Brother Ronnie. Brother Matthews passed away, and Brother Ronnie said this. He said, You know, 
He said, when we get to go to heaven and we go see Brother Matthews, he said, we'll have to go uptown. You know that. <laughs> In other words, and Brother Matthews will tell you, he stood behind his pulpit many a time, said, I'm laying my treasures up over there. I'm not worried about these treasures here. I'm laying my treasures up. I'm being faithful to God. I'm paying my tithes. I'm giving my offerings. I'm going to church. I'm committing my life because I'm laying up treasures over there. Jesus said, don't lay your treasures up over here where rust and moss corrupt them. He said, but lay your treasures up in heaven where your heart, where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. Hallelujah. Don't be a penny pincher. Pay your tithes. Praise the Lord. Give in the offering. Help be a part of the cause. You know, and, and, and we never talk about money, believe it. We, do, we, we never do. But let's just say this. Sometimes, sometimes people, that's what they got. They don't have, they can't sing. You know, they, they know they can't sing and they can't, they can't do a lot. Maybe they don't have a lot of ability, but they might have a dollar. But you see, sometimes people, sometimes, <laughs> let me read this here and I'll, this is so, this, I, I Jesus' call to radical selfishness and we have to heed Jesus' call to total surrender and, and uh, we have to realize that what we have What we have should not be a ruler over us, but Jesus should be our ruler. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Carrying the cross requires self-denial. Jesus previously told his followers, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That foreshadowed his encounter with the rich young ruler. Jesus also said before that, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The rich young ruler seemed to have everything, but in the end, he was destined to lose everything of real value. You see, when Jesus puts the call out, the gospel's preached in truth. Follow Jesus. Repent of your sins. Submit to water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. And if you receive that and follow Jesus, the Bible uses language like obey the gospel. The Bible talks about different things and if in committing to God and giving your life to God and letting God work in your life, that's how you get true treasures in heaven. Let's raise our hands one more time. Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me read this and I'll quit. The rich young ruler was not ready to accept this level of commitment. His life was so full of material abundance, he had no margin left for serving others. Maintaining his stuff and growing his wealth consumed his life. Although the rich young ruler did not realize it, Jesus was offering him freedom from the tyranny of too much. You can't have too much. You can be ruled by your riches. Isn't that right? You can be ruled by material things. And the Bible says this young man said he was sad 
at that saying. And he went away grieved. And I thought about this. It's like the old preacher told the young preacher. If he would have came in like he went out, he would have went out like he came in. If he would have came to Jesus in humility and sadness, said, God, I need you. I want to be a part of your purpose. I want to be a part of what you want, God. And he come in in humility. And Jesus, he could have, if he had that kind of attitude, he would obey God. He would obey what Jesus said. And he could have went on his way rejoicing. See, it's like the young preacher comes in. They ask him to preach the conference, and he knows it all. He comes carrying his Bible in. He's got him a message. He's going to preach it. He's going to let everybody know how good a preacher he is. And he gets up there, and the next thing you know, he's chewing cotton. Next thing you know, he can't find the words. Next thing you know, he's spitting and sputtering. Next thing you know, he's tight as a drum. He manages, gets done for a few minutes, and then he sulks out. And the old preacher said, if he would have came in like he went out, he would have went out like he came in. <laughs> and that's the same way with this rich young ruler. If he would have came to Jesus like he went out, he would have went out like he came in. He would have been sad, humble coming in, but he would have went out rejoicing. Amen. So Jesus... The bottom line is, the heart of the matter, this is the heart of the matter. It was the heart of the matter for this young man, and it was the heart of the matter for every one of us. Jesus is wanting us to be a part of his purpose and be a committed to what he wants us to be. Amen? And you can't have it both ways. You can't, there's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. And we're all imperfect. We're not perfect. I know that. I'm not saying, but being sincere and really trying is what Jesus is looking for. And somebody that is willing to obey his word, whatever he tells us to do. God bless you. Sister Matthews, our sister Young, come be with us this morning. God bless you this morning. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Southwest Apostolic Church. If we can help you, we will. Give us a call, 317-227-0182. Send us an email, swac3161 at gmail. If we can help you, we want to. God bless. Thanks for listening.